said hello. Hello. How's it going? Hey, you didn't wait for me to say hi. Yeah, that's pretty rude. I'm really offended. Hello. Hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Uh, good. Jeez. <laughs> Spoiled little babies on the podcast today. <laughs> I deserve respect and recognition. Yeah. Um. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them. The only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then we talk about it. The only one. Yep. There might be other podcasts where other people watch movies and then talk about them. But this is not that podcast. No, this is our podcast. It's true. We are. I am. Andrew Westensko. I am the host of this here podcast. I am joined, as always, at my right hand by Becca. That's me. And at my left hand, restoring order to all things by Sid. Hello. Did I wait long enough that time? Yes. It was perfect. Hey, Sid, when was the last time you thought about American Idol? Four years. Four years, folks. (laughs) Quick answer. (laughs) Yeah. I just just got a good memory. 2015, Sid thought about American Idol at some point. (laughs) It was this day exactly. This day, four years ago. January 19th, 2015. You can check the calendar. You don't even know what today is. I don't know what today is. Jeez, today is January nineteenth. Saturday. Well, yeah, the calendar and it was correct. <laughs> it's Saturday. I don't, I'm not supposed to know what day it is. Mm, disappointing. Today I'm... on this episode of we watch movies and then talk about them, we will be discussing Adam McKay's The Big Short, and it's gonna get spicy. Real spicy. Because as soon as I start talking about this stuff, I get real pissed off. And when he gets pissed off, he doesn't really stop talking. So buckle in, so folks. So me and Becker are just gonna take it easy and enjoy the ride. Buckle in, folks. Here we yep. go. It's time for me to Woo-hoo. be real angry. Um, I guess we'll try and not get too political. I don't know. It's kind of hard not to with this kind of stuff, but we'll do our best. We don't okay. want to offend anyone's delicate sensibilities. All right. I guess so. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't care if you're offended. Yeah, you don't have to listen. Yeah. If If you're you're offended. offended, If you're offended, don't listen. But if you have... But do listen, actually. If you have some people who are more (laughs) like-minded, recommend our podcast to them. Send them our way. We'll, We'll take them in. The Big Short was released in 2015. It stars Ryan Gosling, Christian Bale, Steve Carell... Brad Pitt, and a bunch of people I don't know who they are. It was written by Adam McKay, the famed, well, written and directed by Adam McKay, the famed director and writer of such cinematic masterpieces as Talladega Nights, uh, <laughs> Step Brothers, The Other Guys, and Anchorman. <laughs> <laughs> but not Anchorman 2. No, thank goodness. So quite the resume for Mr. Adam McKay. He, no, he did uh, direct that one. Oh, he did direct Anchorman 2? Yeah. Oh, I'm just a, saying it is not a masterpiece. That's a misstep right there. You've, you, you've got better films, Adam. We'll say that than Anchorman 2. This is one of them. Um, this movie, what, four years old at this point? We are uh, firmly in the territory where we will be doing full spoilers. Although, if you live in America, there will be no spoilers <laughs> because you know what happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's not a whole ton to spoil here. Um, this is a movie detailing the events leading up to the 
uh, crash of the housing market and subsequently the uh, world economy in 2008. Um, it's one of the most infuriating movies I've ever seen. And I think this is my fourth or fifth time watching it. And I just get angrier every time. <laughs> but we will get into that as we get into that, right? Right. So let's dive right in. Um, for anybody who knows how the podcast works, we start out with some hot takes. Now, a hot take is uh, just a quick summary of your opinion. When I, As soon as I said hot takes, Becca leaned in. Because she knew that I was going to make her go first, but then I explained what a hot take is. So she looked <laughs> like a fool. If only everyone Whatever. could see it. It's fine. <laughs> I wasn't going to let you get away with that. It's fine. All right. Becca, what's your hot take on the big short? My hot take. Well, this is my second time seeing it. The first time I was really confused, but enjoyed it. And the second time I was less confused and very much enjoyed it. I love, like, I mean, it's similar to Vice because it's by the same director. Yeah, and I um, think, sorry, not to cut you off, but I did. I'm going to cut you off. Oh, okay. I think that we'll probably end up, for those of you, sorry, just to give everybody a forewarning, we're probably going to end up discussing Vice as well because uh, very similar styles, uh, the same director, same writer, and all that kind of thing. So if you haven't seen Vice, this isn't directly talking about Vice, but same thing. There's no spoilers in Vice. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're American, you know what happens. So just forewarned, uh, y- you will probably enjoy the discussion more if you've seen Vice. Yes. Continue. Um. Anyway, I... Like, this is about a lot of confusing things that I never thought to learn about. But The Big Short presents it in a way that is entertaining and that I can understand with some further explanation from Andrew throughout the movie. (laughs) I mean, how old were you in 2008? 12? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think you're excused for not following global economics at the age of 12. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know what was going on then. So now I know now, but this movie does a really good job of explaining it while also being very entertaining. Right. So I really enjoyed it. Sid. All right. So this is my first time seeing it. Um, like Becca said, it's very confusing. I had almost no idea what was going on throughout it. And even after Andrew gave an extensive explanation on it, I was still very confused. You make me sound like a prick. No, not like, <laughs> not like uh, he was mansplaining it to me. It was like, it was very helpful, but my brain couldn't quite comprehend it yet but you know they present it in such an interesting entertaining way that even if you don't really know what's going on you're still enjoying what they put on the screen um and it works with so many different factors um with just the storyline the script the breaking of the fourth wall the actors everything just works really well as a movie and i'm not entirely sure if it works financially because i didn't understand what was going on but that's my hot take um my hot take uh this is my fourth or fifth time seeing it the first time i watched it i watched it with uh my dad who works in banking and this is a two hour and ten minute movie and it took us about three and a half hours to watch it because (laughs) he would pause it every 10 or 15 minutes and explain something to us and it was very helpful and it really, 
helped me enjoy the movie the first time that I saw it. Uh, every time watching it since, I have been, as Becca said, a little bit less confused and a little bit more angry at how <laughs> everything went down because it's just a bunch of people being dicks. And all the good people getting screwed over. That's correct. Uh, well, the people who, not even good people, like people who aren't even involved. Yeah. Like, just random people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, hey, I have a retirement account. Oh, no, you don't. Why? Oh, because we decided to gamble all of your money. Well, why did you do that? Because we suck. Oh, are you going to go to jail? <laughs> no, we're not going to go to jail. We're just going to get a lot richer. Makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. Don't you get it? Only in America, baby. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, on the bright side, though, <laughs> I like this movie quite a bit. I think it's very well made. I think that uh, re-watching this after seeing Vice, um, I forget how refreshing this style was in 2015. Whereas in going into Vice, you knew what to expect. Watching The Big Short, nobody knew what to expect. I think we could uh, assume that it would be funny because of Adam McKay. Um, but this is actually one of the more depressing movies that I've ever seen, I think. Because you think about something, that you go back, and, go back in time and look at something like Dancer in the Dark, right? Horribly depressing film. Yeah. But, like, it's a story of fiction. Like, this is depressing because it actually happened. Yeah. And, like, the outcome is incredibly depressing for so many people. And, like, happened in our lifetimes. Yeah. And just is it, just horrendous. Just, like, completely unconscionable what happened. On so many levels, from so many, like, oh my gosh, um, I'm not even talking about the movie anymore. <laughs> but I think this is, I guess, my hot take is this: is this is the biggest strength of the movie, is that it takes this concept and these series of events, which are insanely complicated, and only get more and more complicated as it goes. And even if you don't understand everything watching it the first time, um, you you get the ending. The ending has its impact. That Even if you didn't fully understand it, and Ryan Gosling towards the beginning even says that. He's like, does that sound boring? Good, because it's supposed to. He says, like, people on Wall Street love to use big words so that they can pretend they're smarter than you kind of a thing. And um, so it's, I mean, the whole thing is meant to be boring and and impossible to understand and all that crap and it really is but then you get the ending you get like oh at the end it's like oh these people did horrible things and it affected a lot of people in horrible ways and you get that even if you don't understand all the events yeah yeah like it makes its impact without having to know what the actual semantics of everything was yeah um and like I said, it's easy to forget how uh, fresh this style of filmmaking was when this movie came out. Um, it's kind of this halfway point between documentary and drama where it uses real people, but it's not a biopic. And um, it like tells a real story, but and there's a lot of fourth wall breaking and narrating and they even have experts, not experts, but people come in and explain things to you and, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's this weird drama documentary hybrid um, that I think works really well. And as I think about it, I think about it compared to Vice and why I think The Big Short works better. And I think that it's because The Big Short, I think they have similar goals 
as films, which is to take really complicated situations and kind of distill them down to their essence and help you understand them. But The Big Short doesn't suffer from all of the pitfalls that every single biopic in the world suffers from, which is um, the second you walk into that movie theater, your main character is under scrutiny, right? You're looking for how well they're portraying the person that they're supposed to be portraying. Whereas in this one, you get to know the characters and follow them and they... Um, there's not a lot of character arc, but like they, you get to know them as you go, and I think that really works in this movie's favor. I guess my point of all this being that this is, I think, a, a super inventive style, and looking at this compared to Vice, I would like to see Adam McKay in the future go more in this direction, uh, telling stories that are important for us to understand in a way that we can understand, but using maybe people that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because it's, I mean, going into Vice, you have a bias on whether you like Dick Cheney or not. Mm -hmm. And that's going to skew how much you like the movie. With this one, I mean, yeah, it's telling about real people, but no one knows who they are. No one knows their political standings. So this is kind of more of an objective look at just the overall recession and the, the mortgage bubble. And all that so it's it's easier to just enjoy it as a film rather than a political statement yeah um what were your guys's i guess favorite aspects of the filmmaking and we'll see this was nominated for several academy awards and i'm curious if your tastes match the academy what like what impressed you guys well i mean i looked at what it was nominated for but you cheater i'm sorry i would have said it anyway but the editing is so good. I wonder oh, if wait, the same person... Uh, it was nominated for okay, editing. I wonder if the same person edited this as edited Vice. Let me check. I don't know. Because they're both... It, walking out of Vice, that was the one thing I said to Becca. I was like, the editing in this is spectacular. Because yeah. in a lot of movies, it's hard... Afterwards, it's hard to say if the editing was good or not. Because they kind of try and make it so you don't notice the editing. But this one is... It's changing constantly. And it's moving. But it's not distracting it enhances the storyline more yeah and it's it's interesting i was reading on reddit it is the same editor also same editor as tree of life shut your mouth um no i'm supposed to keep my mouth open for a podcast please don't (laughs) shut your mouth (laughs) um yeah it's interesting reading on reddit it's pretty i guess uh, it, it's a dividing line in the community as far as people who think that the editing in, in these movies is brilliant and people that hate it. It's very stylized. And that's a weird word to use to describe editing, but it's it's very, very, very stylish. And in your face, and especially those um, kind of montage sequences moving between the different acts of the film. And they've got music videos and they've got shots of people and just like all these... It, I don't know. It just does such a good job of getting you... I don't know. It does such a good job of assisting the tone of the film and the editing is entirely to thank for those kind of sequences. Yeah. And I think for me, like I don't, I'm still trying to understand what editing is, but this is a really good movie to understand that because like Sid said, I feel like the editing is really obvious and easy to tell that it's there. Mm -hmm. And I would agree. I think it's really, really effective. I also think the performances pretty much across the board are very yeah. good. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't say there's really anyone who's 
bad. Like even the smaller characters. Yeah. This is my favorite Steve Carell role, personally. I haven't seen Foxcatcher, though, and he was nominated for that, so apparently Mm -hmm. that's really good. But I think he does very well as an angry New Yorker. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling, just like oozing charisma. Uh Yeah. But I mean, it is Ryan Gosling, so. Sure. But you look at this performance and compare it to something like Drive or Blade Runner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, dude's got a lot of range. Yeah. And he doesn't get the respect he he deserves. Well, and I mean, I'm just to list everybody that was in this film, but Christian Bale's acting was so good. We have a ding. Ding, ding, ding. He was nominated for supporting actor. Ooh. All right. But I kind of feel like, was there a lead actor? I mean, you could say Steve Carell, but. I think because, I don't know. I think Ryan Gosling has top billing, but I don't know. Hmm. I would kind of say they're all like supporting actors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who you'd nominate for lead. But no, Christian Bale is so good in this. Well, and also just thinking about um, this compared to Vice, like Christian Bale in both of them. He's just a great actor. Like Mm -hmm. such different performances, but both so amazing. And like, yeah, just able to capture the character and engage the audience really well. Yeah. Um, What else? The dialogue is great in this. Mm -hmm. The screenplay, very good. And it won adapted screenplay because this was adapted from a book. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I love a lot of the dialogue. I, I don't know. It's just so it seems so genuine. Like they're all such dicks to yeah. each other. <laughs> just any time it was Steve Carell and his whole team and they're all just throwing out F-bombs and they're just like saying <laughs> insults to each other. It's just it's so I don't know. It's just fun to watch mm-hmm. and to like see their interactions and it's when it, they start getting into the actual financials of everything it's hard to follow but it's still interesting to watch yeah and kind of try and take in no it's definitely the kind of movie that benefits from like a pause every 30 minutes yeah and like go around the room and be like okay what do we have here yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it gets really confusing really fast yeah and then just more and more confusing but again like i said that's the whole point it's supposed to confuse you yeah, yeah. And that's, oh, that's just what makes me nervous. Well, yeah, that's like why it all happened. I feel like it's confusing and everybody just overlooked it. Everybody who had the opportunity and, to. Yeah. If you, I guess we can get into talking about the actual events. Here we go. Uh, no. <laughs> um, everybody who had the opportunity to do anything about it never did. And that's what led to it happening in the first place, right? Was like the banks refused to accurately value uh, their CDOs. The ratings agencies refused to accurately rate the loans. The SEC completely refused to investigate anybody. And then the whole thing collapses. The freaking big banks get bailed out and nobody goes to jail. Freaking Christian Bale character said he gets audited four times and investigated by the FBI. Just because he's able to, like, read the signs. Mm-hmm. So crazy. And then, you know, what did it say? $5 trillion lost? Sheesh. How yeah. do you even, like, imagine that much money? I can't even comprehend just more than a 1000 I know. Like, <laughs> the entire movie, they're talking about millions and billions of dollars. And I'm like, I don't know, $100? I, like, I have.
haven't went. checked my bank account in two weeks. Who knows what's in <laughs> there? On purpose, like because I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, like I can't, I can't comprehend that much money. Yeah. Five trillion dollars lost. Oh my gosh! Just oh. vanished into the ether. Five trillion. Oh my gosh! That's what, like a third of our national debt. Yeah. Just gone. That's crazy. And it's oh, it's just it's infuriating. And then the government turns around and bails them out. Says, "No, you guys are too big to fail." Like those guys, uh, the two dudes from Colorado, they're totally right. Like when they're talking, and they're like, "No, this is the end of capitalism. It should have been the end of capitalism. Like this was, this was the entire system hitting the reset button, right? Mm-hmm. Like we screwed up." This system made it real bad, made it totally non-functional, removed almost all elements of capitalism from it because there's no competition. There's no any sort of accountability because, the, the you know, the customer isn't able to hold companies accountable. The government isn't holding anybody accountable. It's not capitalism anymore. It's an oligarchy, right? And then the whole system hits reset. The entire thing collapses. And yeah, it's a it's a real bad few years. But you come out the other end looking better. But the government was like, nope. Too big to fail. Too big to fail. What does that mean? How is that a thing? How is any company too big to fail? The whole point of capitalism is that you can fail. And it's like Steve Krell said at the end, right? He's like, no, they knew they would be bailed out. They weren't stupid. They didn't care. Five trillion dollars. Jeez, that's crazy. (laughs) And that's, I guess that's the point of this movie and why it was important for this movie to be made is like people don't understand, right? What happened Mm -hmm. and how they got screwed and who screwed them. And that's what this movie really explains is who screwed you and how you got screwed. And the answer is everybody and in every way. Yeah, I do feel like this is an important story to know for americans well it's a cautionary tale and we see it happening again like the housing market right now continues to rise in so many places like especially here in utah you know what i mean home prices keep going up i have so many friends who have cleared 100k plus on their houses they buy their house and sell it less than five years later for 100k return but wages are stagnant right So it's like, I think it was Steve Carell that said it in this movie. When that happens, when home prices rise and wages are stagnant, or no, it was Christian Bale, sorry. So when home prices rise and wages are stagnant, those homes are debt, not assets. Mm -hmm. And a home is supposed to be an asset, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And even at the end of the movie, they say they're selling these new things, which are basically just CDOs and a dress. And like the whole thing is going to happen again because we don't care. Or maybe we do care. But, again, the people who have an opportunity to do anything about it are not doing anything about it. And, like, now, I mean, very there were some regulations put in place, but now um, a lot of it's been repealed. And, like, they're just going to be allowed to do whatever they want again. They're going to screw everybody again. And I'm going to lose my 401k. Um, well, I think to bring it back to the film, but also <laughs> <laughs> comment on that. Um, (laughs) I think the scenes that like drove it home the most to me that like this really happened and really affected people 
um, was when they went down to Florida to um, like go look at a neighborhood and find out if these people are paying their mortgages. And it's just like an empty neighborhood Mm -hmm. and no one is there. And the one guy that is there is renting and he's like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to, you know, like I'm paying my landlord every month, but if he's not paying it, like I'm still going to be screwed. And I feel like that scene specifically like resonates and makes it like, oh, that is anybody. That's your everyday person just trying to make it that got completely screwed by all of this. Well, and in that vein as well, like you think about it, like I guess if you take a step back and think about it, like his landlord bought that house as an investment property, which is another thing that was, uh, you know, a huge issue is just these properties being bought up as investment properties left and right by people who have way too much money. And then, which is also happening. now. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) This is happening again right now. We see a lot of the same things that happened in 2005, six, seven happening right now. And it's freaking terrifying. Yeah. I mean, we pay rent. Like, yeah, somebody owns our house. You yeah. know what I mean? And we pay rent. Like, what if our, I don't know, our, I don't know our landlord. We go through a property management company. You know what I mean? Like, what if our landlord just stops paying his mortgage? We'd be out. Or her mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to build any glass ceilings here. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy and it's infuriating and it's incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so... I, I think those scenes were the ones that really struck home for me that like this seriously affected so many people and yeah, that this movie, it wasn't just about like all the money being traded back and forth and how to understand finances and everything, but like it was about just a total collapse. Well, and now that you mentioned that there are um, a lot of scenes, I think that reinforce the, the human factor in all of this there's the scene uh, i guess brad pitt says it several times yeah he tells them this is what i hate about banking it reduces people to to numbers and then he also says you know why are you guys dancing like people lose jobs people lose pensions people lose retirement funds like if you're if you guys make a lot of money a lot of people get screwed and even at the end i think christian bale's letter to his investors at the end is one of the more prescient things said in the movie and it's just in regards to i guess you know unbridled greed in general which is a unfortunate uh i guess quality of capitalism is just i mean unbridled greed is encouraged and needed for the system to function right um he says making money isn't what i thought it was going to be because it removes all elements of your life that are not business and like it basically takes humanity out of life. Kind of a restating of, of Brad Pitt saying that it reduces everybody to numbers. But I thought that was an interesting way to put it. That making money isn't what he thought it was because it, it, it took every other aspect of his life away. Yeah, I think, I don't know, kind of more along the lines with what Becca was saying. This movie, it does a, it's a, I mean, as you're following the bankers, the people who are trying to profit off of this you know you're kind of rooting for them to get that money and then but then brad pitt comes in and says people are going to lose jobs people are going to lose their houses um you know it kind of reminds you that 
these characters that we're following are not necessarily the good guys and they're kind of the part of the driving force that made it so thousands, millions of people were affected by this. Well, and that's what kind of hits Steve Carell towards the end, mm-hmm. right? And he even when Vinny calls him at the end and says, we got to sell. Mm-hmm. And Mark's like, no, we can't sell because then we're like everybody else. Yeah. Like he he saw this. It was like, you know, Ryan Gosling came to them and gave them this opportunity to make a lot of money. And Steve Carell sees it and is like, absolutely, I can stick it to these big banks that I hate so much. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he realizes who's being left holding the bill. And it's not fun anymore. And it's it's just, it's such a, a hopeless ending because you realize that these big, huge executives, no matter the situation, no matter what happens, they, like, their privilege will just keep them from ever being, like, holding the bill for anything that they do wrong. Like you said, they took the bailouts from the government, used it to pay themselves huge bonuses and lobby against big business reform. But then, you know, hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs. Just crazy. Yeah. This is a real downer. That's what I'm saying. It's (laughs) it's one of the more depressing movies I've ever seen because it actually happened. And like, we're still seeing effects of it. Cause it's like, I mean, every time there's a bailout, it's just a, a message to these corporations. Like all you need to do is get big enough so the government determines it determines it so that you can't fail. I mean, GM went under. The government bailed them out. You know what I mean? Like, if you get deemed a pillar of the American economy, you'll never fail no matter what you do. That's effed up. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's anti-capitalist is what it is. Yeah. It's horrible. And I mean, I'm no lover of capitalism. Let's be real. Um <laughs> But if you're going to decide on a capitalist system, at least uphold it as such. <laughs> at least follow the basic guidelines of capitalism. <laughs> oh, man. It's horribly depressing. Yeah. I don't feel very good right now. <laughs> you don't feel so good, Mr. Stark? No. <laughs> but I guess that's the point. Is that this this movie manages to get these conversations started between people, right? And... It couldn't do that if it wasn't so well made. And I think it really is. Here's the thing. Like, you can say the Anchorman and the other guys and all that kind of stuff are substanceless and they're just funny. And that's probably true. But the, you never really think about it. They're well-made movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they're good. It's it's interesting to see that skill set transfer over to something a little more, I guess, that takes itself a little more seriously here. Mm-hmm. But also that, that sense of humor that he has is so present here. Mm-hmm. It's a funny movie. Yeah. Especially Ryan Gosling's character. Like, dude yeah. is just such an apologetic douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's that's such a good way to get a lot of people to care, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's funny and entertaining and interesting and gets people who don't know anything about this event to know and understand it. Yeah. Which yeah. is uh, super valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to, like, a political drama or, like, a financial drama like this, it's it's hard to get people to care about it unless it's something entertaining like this or it, like, has a good, strong message that resonates with people. Um, and this one definitely did very well with it's entertaining. So people are going to be 
more willing to sit through two hours of this rather than two hours of a boring drama. Well, what do they say in Vice? Like, people don't want to spend their free time being depressed by the news. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, I think that were you going to say something? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say like this movie is so honest that that's exactly what it is. Like right in the very beginning, Ryan Gosling is like, I know this is boring. So here's Margot Robbie in a bubble bath. Yeah, <laughs> she'll explain it to you. Thank heavens for Margot Robbie in a bubble bath. Man, <laughs> what a woman. But like that just is so especially to have her be the first celebrity or whatever yeah. to start explaining what happened in a bubble bath is just like such a good way to be like come on you guys you're gonna watch this yeah yeah <laughs> it kind of throws you off but also at the same time you're like oh margot robbie i can i can get with this yeah yeah i can listen to margot robbie <laughs> talk all day <laughs> especially in a bubble bath <laughs> good for her man <laughs> uh, go watch her in i Tanya. she's excellent she's so good in that yes she's also excellent in the wolf of wall street mm. but she's also excellent in suicide squad <laughs> what are we some sort of suicide squad <laughs> i hate that movie i never saw it oh it's so bad i've watched so many do you YouTube need videos. oscar winning film suicide oh squad? my gosh please don't don't remind me of that it won razzies and oscars one of the few films to do so gosh. what did it win costume design or something makeup and hair well, robbie does Look all right in that. Okay. It's hard to make her look bad. Yeah, which is why they shouldn't have won. Like, she's doing half the work there. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the other things that, um, again, jumping back to how depressing the film is, but also that the film does so well, is kind of that creeping sense of dread throughout the second half of the movie. Because the first half, it's all kind of exciting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, these guys are all like, we're going to short the housing market. We're going to make so much money. This is so awesome. We're going to be rich. And then, like, once they start to realize what is allowing them to make so much money off of it, and that's that the system is entirely fraudulent and broken and criminal, there's that creeping sense of dread as each layer is peeled back, right? It's like there's that scene where Christian Bale is leaving um, his firm. And the guy is like, you know, or you're wrong. And he's like, you know, the the system, he's like, I think it's time to consider the possibility that we are living in an entirely fraudulent system. Like, it just never occurred to them. And I think that that's kind of something that people in general do. And I don't know, it's probably not unique to Americans, but I, Americans do it. Like, we we trust the system, Right. We think, oh, the system won't allow X to happen. It won't allow the economy to collapse. The system is built to prevent that, right? But then there's – and even these people, they think that. You know what I mean? Like there's that there's that scene with Ryan Gosling in the conference room at um, Steve Carell's hedge fund. And he's like, you, call you, guys, you, you guys call yourself cynics, but you still have some faith in the system. Like what's wrong with you? Like even even the harshest of cynics were like – now like the sec will fix this or the rating boards or fix this or whatever but like there's that creeping sense of dread that every time they get a new revelation they're in the they're in the ratings office and steve crow's losing his mind right 
And then he goes and talks to the the CDO manager and just like loses his mind. They go to the securities conference and see where else he just loses his mind at all these different turns of like, how is this even possibly happening? Like I, when I was, I had to pause it to explain something. And the best way I could think to explain it is like everything was happening in backwards land because nothing was happening as it should, because just everybody was lying constantly. It was an entirely fraudulent and criminal system. And I think that the movie does such a good job at showing you the the disillusionment in these people who actually knew what was going on. And again, it's just terrifying that that's real. It's not like this is what would happen if we were living in a fraudulent system. It's like like, this this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And even the two dudes from Colorado go to talk to the guy, Washington Post or whatever it was. And he's like, I'm not going to burn my bridges. Like, I'm not going to report on this. And he's like, they're like, there's so much criminality. Like, this is what you do. (laughs) And then Christian Bale calls the government afterwards and is like, hey, you guys want me to tell you how I knew this had happened? And they're like, nah, we're good. (laughs) What on earth? Just like brush it all under the rug Mm -hmm. after it all happened. Oh, man. Hmm. And as far as accuracy goes, as far as I understand it, the film is fairly accurate to how things happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it wasn't, they they would say something it. about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they do a good job at telling you when things didn't happen like they. Yeah. Well, and I love that they would even be like, this really happened. Like Ryan Gosling was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he actually got a phone call and asked this question and left in the <laughs> middle of this. Like, <laughs> They actually got the biggest tip. They got the tip for the biggest move of their life of a wrong number yeah <laughs> and the other guys are in the jp morgan chase lobby and they turn around and they're like this didn't actually happen but it's easier to say it this way <laughs> i don't know man it's just it's a i mean like as far as themes and stuff go it's hard to talk about because it's just like i said it it, it straddles the line between documentary and drama mm-hmm. in a really effective way mm-hmm. and i think the point of this movie isn't nece- like isn't to you know i guess be a dissection of humanity or morality or whatever it's like this is what happened and everything sucks because of it (laughs) talk about it (laughs) yes (laughs) which is great from a movie like i think some of the best movies i've watched and like all of the movies that i think are perfect movies are movies that make me think and talk afterward and i think this is one of those i don't know if i would consider a perfect movie but i don't think it's a a perfect movie but but it's a movie that um causes conversation and thought yeah just in the same way that i don't know if i've seen a documentary that i would rate a 10 yeah you know what i mean because i think a 10 for me needs to connect a little more emotionally yeah whereas this one just makes me mad <laughs> if you can't tell from all his rants <laughs> <laughs> hey becca's married to me she has to deal with this all the time yep you guys can turn off this podcast if you want. <laughs> I am well equipped to deal with his rants. (laughs) Oh, man. What are we doing, guys? What is even happening anymore? But that's why it's a good movie, is because it touches on so many Mm -hmm. hard things to talk about. I mean, it does connect emotionally, but not the emotions that we're used to in a movie. It's like, you know, you watch a ghost story. And you feel kind of sad and nostalgic afterwards. You watch this and you're just mad and depressed and stressed. 
So it's not an, I would say, you know, it's not a very enjoyable emotion to feel, but it, it gets its point across. It does. Um, and I, I like at the end, I, 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 this just popped into my head as far as, again, I think it does, it does such a good job of, I guess, showing the, the individual human cost, right? Because even at the end, it throws it up and it's like X amount of people lost their jobs, $5 trillion left. Like we can't even comprehend what $5 trillion looks like. But each of the, specifically Steve Carell, like, feels it. You know what I mean? And I think that where we've seen how much his character feels and how much of an emotional person he is, seeing him at the end just dejected when he has to sell, like, realizing what it means, I think is really, really, really effective. Yeah, and even, I love that they added the one guy that they actually talked to in Florida that was renting his yeah, house like they showed him yeah they showed yeah. him at the end with his family and it's like yeah like that's someone that most people could relate to i think mm-hmm. i just I, I just hope it doesn't happen again i truly do yeah yeah i don't know how it can't though it has to at some point there's always a bubble mm-hmm. there's always a something bubble yeah right i mean my my paranoid conspiracy theory ranting i think the university bubble will be the next to burst but that's just me <laughs> i already got my degree what's up sucker? Oh, shoot i better get going yeah on you that. better graduate oh, oh crap <laughs> yikes <laughs> no it'll be good if the university bubble burst your tuition will go way down that's true you pay half tuition well you'll pay even less oh sweet you want you want the bubble to burst all right let's do it let's get cracking guys come on yep speed this up (laughs) yeah um but yeah like i don't know this is just kind of the movie that at the end you just what do we do you know what i mean what Mm -hmm. what do we even what do we do with this information now do i go protest outside of banks do i just sit and let it happen do i cry yes I think what you do is to stop trusting the system. I think that's kind of what the, because again, like what, what am I going to do? Go, I guess I could go lobby for big bank reform, but like, I don't have the money for that. You know what I mean? But like, I, I think it's a, it overall, as far as what do you do with this information? I think it comes down to a cautionary tale about trusting the system. Cause again, like, I have my 401k somewhere like, and I'm trusting that I'm going to have that in 50 years. You know what I mean? Who knows what the world looks like in 50 years? What am I thinking? I need to diversify. What are you thinking? <laughs> no, I do. I, I have, I mean, we've got various investment accounts. So I think, yeah, we're, that's I think true. we're diversified enough, but you know what I mean? Like don't, don't trust banks. Don't trust the government. Don't trust corporations because, uh, all of them just want to get as much money as possible out of you. That's the whole deal. And then as soon as you cannot give them any more money, then they do not give a crap about you. Corporations don't care about you. The government doesn't care about you. Nobody cares about you except for your family. And that sucks. Well, it just is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's the, I feel like that's just the realization that you have to come to at some point. If you want to live in the real world, if you want to live in a fantasy world, I guess have fun. And good for you. If you can pull it off, good on you. But I think that's kind of the, the message here. It's just nobody cares about you. 
And that can be a depressing thought or it can be a, a liberating one, I guess. I don't know which one it is for me yet. I'm, I'm feeling depressed. stressed out right now. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. Like, as soon as I realize, like, Walmart doesn't care about me, I don't have to care about Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. And not that I spend a lot of my time worrying about the financial success of Walmart. Yeah. But it is, like, kind of liberating. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Um, following up on that, one of my favorite scenes is when uh, Steve Brell and his little posse are hanging out in the coffee shop towards the end. And Vinny is trying to convince him to sell. And um, he's like, Mark, we have a fiduciary responsibility to our clients. He's like, responsibility? Nobody's acting responsible. F responsibility. I was like, yeah, you go, dude. I love you. Like, you are hardcore. I love him. I love his character so much. I want to meet that dude and just high five him. But I think he'd probably swear at me. And you'd love that too. Oh, I'd be, I'd be honored. Oh, man. What a great movie, though. It really is a great... It was nominated yeah. for Best Picture. Yeah. Definitely worth it. Let's take a quick look um, before we move on to ratings and final thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're just going to take a quick look at the Oscars for that year and see what it was up against and see how we feel. I think this was the year that is a very hard year for us to compare. Yeah, this was the oh, year. Oh, yeah. We always talk about it. Oh, what a year. Yeah. Yeah. This was the year uh, the nominees for Best Picture were Spotlight, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max, Room, The Big Short, The Martian, and The Revenant. About half of those you can toss out the window, honestly. Um, Bridge of Spies is fine. Uh, Brooklyn is fine. I put The Martian in the fine category. Yeah, I'd say so. A lot of people disagree with that. I think it's a lot better than I think it is. But... It's all right. Um, but The Revenant, Room, Big Short, Mad Max, and Spotlight. What yeah. on earth, people? Jeez. <laughs> How do you decide? Let's go back to 2016. That was a good yeah, year. Can we have that year? Um, nah, lead actor was kind of a crapshoot, actually, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Best director, though, that's where it gets crazy. Like, Inyaratu, uh, <laughs> Fury Road, Spotlight, The Big Short, and Room. What do you do in that category? <laughs> How do you not give it to Inyaratu? Yeah. Like, that movie is just so immaculate. Yeah, and you just find out how crazy he was filming that, and you're like, we have to give it to him, or he's going to kill whoever's in his next movie. Yeah, the, I think this was the, <laughs> the, like, safety Oscars. They're like, we're going to give Leo an Oscar, and we're going to give yeah, Inyaratu an Oscar. Because, because they're because going to die. They're going to die <laughs> filming their next film if we don't give them Oscar. <laughs> uh, but no, Inyaratu did it two years in a row. Because he won oh. for Birdman the year before. Mm -hmm. So, and that won Best Picture. Yeah. So, Yardu was on a roll. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about this in a minute, but it's looking like uh, Alfonso Cuaron has a real good shot at a director this year. Yeah, yeah. Which would mean that the Mexican Brotherhood the can just keep the Best Director credits. <laughs> keep it rolling, people. Inyaratu, what are you doing next year? Del Toro, you can take a year off, and we need a three-year rotation here because you guys are the only ones winning Best Director from here on out. I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what talented individuals, man. All right. We'll move on to that in just a second. We'll do our final thoughts and our rating, and then we'll get on to other topics, which is basically uh, we're going to give our final predictions for the Oscars because the nominations come out on Tuesday, and we'll talk about other movies that we watched. So, Becca, your final thoughts and rating out of 10 for Adam McKay's The Big Short. Okay. Um, final thoughts. 
I love this movie, like I said in the beginning, and I would recommend it to most people. Just beware that there's a lot of swear words. Oh, yeah. If you're not into that, you're not going to like this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, a bit of nipple. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little yeah. bit of boobies. But <laughs> anyway, I very much enjoyed it, and I feel like I probably still need to watch it another time or two before I really understand it. So once if you my, do watch once it, once my blood pressure goes down, we can watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you do watch it, watch it more than once, or watch it with a banker, <laughs> so that they can explain everything to you. <laughs> um, but yes, I thought it was very well done, and I will rate it hmm, uh, eight point nine. Pretty good, Sid. All right. Um. So I. I liked this one a lot. I was surprised by how much I liked this one. Um, normally, these kind of movies aren't my jam. Um, but I would say one one big thing for me is when I'm kind of like rating a movie is would I want to watch this again? And with this being, you know, more of a political drama, I normally don't want to watch those one those ones more than once. Um, but I would definitely give this one at least one more go. Just based off the movie and how entertaining it was. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. So much of it worked together. Um, and I'm going to give this one a 9.7. 9.7? Or no, sorry, 8.7. Oh, jeez. Sorry. I was like, <laughs> wow. I was like, we're talking tree of life here. Like, what are you talking about? Um, I also quite enjoy this movie. I liked it. I've liked it every time that I've seen it, which is why I continue to keep watching it. Um, I think I've said my piece about this movie. <laughs> yes you have uh 8.8 .8. all right rounding us out at an 8.8 .8. sweet not bad that puts it right in league with sicario and birdman seems about right i totally forgot do we have trivia i have a few trivia sid wonka what um, so one of the conditions for Adam T McKay to make this movie is that he had to do the sequel to Anchorman, which... This was a tit for tat? Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Holy cow. Wow. So, I mean, you know, his sacrifice was our gain. Um, Christian Bale actually wore clothes from the real Michael Burry in the movie. Of course he did. And That's he said awesome. that he wanted so bad for Michael Burry to sit next to him at the premiere so that when he saw it, he, he quote said... Because I really wanted to sit next to him and see if he was going to punch me in the effing face. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. And so Margot Robbie, when she was filming her scene, she was actually drinking 20-year-old Dom Perignon champagne. Um, and she said it was kind of hard because she had to remember her lines while she was getting drunk. So that's the trivia. But she's a true consummate professional. Yep. She did great. Uh, she also looks like she's going to be great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, my gosh. Sharon Tate. Yeah. That's going to be a good one. Can't wait to see what Tarantino does with her getting murdered. Because if you know the stories yeah. of the Manson family murders, they're pretty gruesome. Oh, yeah. They're crazy. They're real bad. So, and yeah, we'll see how that goes because he's going to be tiptoeing a line there. And How so? Because it's, it's more the murders are, if he does have the murders in the movie, which I'm pretty sure he does. Cause How can he not? I, I know that they did cast someone as Charles Manson, um, 
because it's it's not a very old murder. I mean, you think about Django Unchained, that was a hundred years mm-hmm. ago. No one's going to be all up in arms about that. But this one is a little bit more sensitive because it's fresher. Can you? I just think about the the tone of Tarantino's movies. Yeah. And like, can you make the Manson family murders funny? Yeah. I don't know, especially because how how gruesome they are. They really are. Yeah. like. Not for the the those with weak stomachs, but seriously, look it up. It's horrible it's what they did really to these bad. people. Yeah. And she she was pregnant, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just atrocious. Yeah, crazy stuff. So. But very very much looking forward to that movie. I'm really excited. <laughs> I think it's gonna be fantastic. You know, I love movies. I love murder. Let's do it. I, <laughs> I don't love the act of Sid murder. Sid loves murder. All I right. do. It's sure. fascinating. Okay. It is fascinating. Don't get mad at me. Um, other topics. Um, let's just do a couple of uh, final roundups. Um, we're looking forward to the Oscar nominations being announced. Oh, yeah. Right? Comes out on Tuesday, the 22nd. Yes. So by the time this comes out, it'll have been out for like a week and a half. Uh-huh. But point being, I'm sticking to my guns. I think Roma's going all the way. I think it's taking everything. I think it's taking cinematography. I think it's taking director. I think it's taking best picture. I would love that so much. I would love it. Especially because no foreign film has won best picture. Yeah. I would love it not only do i want it to i think it will happen i think this is the year well i feel like there's more hype about it than a star is born yeah there's more hype now that the actual awards are coming out there's more hype surrounding it give it to my boy i love alfonso Cuaron. he's great we love him and roma really is just spectacular yeah yeah definitely like if if i had seen roma in a theater it might have beat out Suspiria for me. But Suspiria was just such an experience in the theater. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, P.S. If you missed it, go back and listen to our top 10 movies of 2018. Where you talk about... I talk about why Suspiria is so great. Because it is great. It is. And we talk about why Roma is so great. Mm. Because it is. Because it is. Yes, it is. Um, I think... I I, I, I agree. I think a lot of the hype behind A Star is Born has kind of died off. I think it maybe came out too early. Yeah, I mean, that's to say nothing of hereditary and annihilation. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) annihilation came way too early. Yeah. Speaking of movies released too early in the year, um, High Life. Have you seen the trailer for it? Oh my gosh. I refuse to watch the trailer because I do not Uh want to see it. Yeah. A24 produced highbrow sci fi art house film starring Robert Pattinson. I'm in. Oh my gosh. I'm so in. I've heard so much about it and how great it is. I mean, it's, I've heard it's weird. Yeah. But I am so excited for it. There was like some people on Reddit that saw it at at TIFF Uh and a lot of polarizing viewpoints, honestly, which I love. Like movies that are like, everybody loves this and it's amazing are like, yeah, they're going to be good. But you get something like Mother or Suspiria. Uh Uh-huh. Where it just like splits audiences. I'm so ready for that. Oh my gosh. I'm, re- I'm refusing to watch the trailer for it because I, I just. did watch the trailer. I don't want to watch it again, but it's good. Yep. I, I, if I know I'm going to go see it, I don't watch the trailer. I'm going yeah. as blind as possible. Um, yeah. That's why I wish that I hadn't seen the trailer for us. Yeah. Because I don't know when I'm going to see it. That, oh my gosh. That looks so good. I'm ready for that. When does High Life come out? Uh, March, right? Or uh, April? April 12th. April 12th. So right around the same time that um, yeah. Annihilation came out in March. But also, you oh, know, yeah. uh, Get Out came out in summer. That's no, Get true. Out came out in March, I thought, didn't it? 
I'm pretty sure it was summer. Let me check. I think it came out in March, actually. Let's see. February. Oh, February. Yeah. Huh? Crazy. All right. So let's let's pray hereditary annihilation. Get some That's recognition. A24 is just like, I don't know what they're pushing this year. For awards. Um. Why wouldn't it be hereditary? Yeah. I mean, I don't I mean, know. I would hope that they. I don't know. I would hope that they did try and push it. I don't know. I just rewatched it and I'll be mad if they don't. It you watched get, it again? Oh, yeah. Hereditary? Yeah. Yeah, I was watching it yesterday, and then my roommate came home, and I was like, uh, let's change it. <laughs> She's like, what are you watching? A, a movie. I, it's too scary for me right now. And then I changed it. It's just a movie about a bunch of Satanists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that uh, leads us into our next topic. Uh, Becca, have you watched anything? You've just been doing homework. Mostly homework. But actually, we did watch Room. We did watch Room. This week, right? What did you think of Room? I loved it so much. It was so good. I, uh, <laughs> I, I ugly Really cried. sad. Yeah. yeah. So many emotions yeah, while part, watching that movie. Yeah, horribly sad. The part when her dad comes in when she's in the hospital and she's like, she uh, hears him yelling down the hallway. I oh cry like a baby in that. And then I think it's even worse when he gets up from the dinner table and leaves and he just, he's not in the movie anymore. He doesn't come yeah, back. It's so sad. I don't know. I think the the writing in that film is very honest as to how people would react to it because some people lean in and want to support and some people just can't handle it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Humans are weird. I just want an adorable little boy with long hair. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Only you would get baby hungry off of watching Room. Yeah, you know what you should I do? Know. You should go kidnap a little boy with long hair. Just like in the movie. <laughs> Keep him in the garden shed. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I loved it. it we also really watched good. the last two hours of Pride and Prejudice. We did. I made it. Uh. Took me a year to watch that. <laughs> it's better and than what I could do. We finally went and saw Spider-Man. We went inside <gasps> to the Spider-Verse. What'd you oh think? My oh my gosh. gosh. It was so good. It's so good. Oh, that was amazing. That's I was one so of the impressed. few things that the Golden Globes got right. Is that... Should I'll be win. so pissed if Incredibles 2 wins. I know. Yeah, I'd be pissed too. It's so good. I need to see it again because I can't stop thinking about I it. I loved every single second of it. Yeah. Just so, like, just about the animation, the storyline, everything is so good about it. Yep. Ugh, I love it. Um, so if you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse, if it's still in theaters when this comes out in like a week, please go see it. It's so Seriously. Good. It's so good. Oh my gosh. Um, I'll finish this off. I watched The Master. How was it? Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh. It was spectacular. Yeah. Would you say better than There Will Be Blood? I don't know. Same same vein? No, I mean, very different movies. Okay. Very, very, yeah, very different movies. Sense. But it's just, I mean, it's, it's after seeing that especially, I'm like, I just got to go watch every single Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh-huh. Because the dude is just so in command of his craft. Mm-hmm. Just the quality of the filmmaking present in the three of his films that I've seen. So There Will Be Blood, The Master, and Phantom Thread. Mm-hmm. The, uh, just the quality and the skill on display is is enough to make me just want to go watch all of his movies. Uh-huh. It was so outrageously good. 
Okay. I'll and it's one it. that you end the movie and you're like, <laughs> and then you start to think about it and things come together. And I, I think it has some very, very, very interesting themes in it. Um, that you can watch the movie and just kind of be entertained. Um, but when you really start to dig into it, there's a lot of really interesting things going on. I loved it. And again, it just made me want to go watch more Paul Thomas Anderson. So I, He's so good. I think I'm going to do Inherent Vice next. I hear that's not the best We're gonna of find Office, out. but yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, because I want to... I'll do Inherent Vice and, and Punch Drunk Love and then Boogie Nights. I'm weirdly excited to watch Boogie Nights. <laughs> I really want to watch it. Marky there, Mark. there are different reasons for wanting to see it. You just want to see Marky Mark hang down. Uh, it's not hurting it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. All right, Sid, hit us. What have you been watching? Um... I actually haven't watched too much. I mean, I watched half of Hereditary yesterday, um, and I watched The Mummy, which I still love. All right, yeah. That yeah. with Brendan Fraser, he is beautiful. That's and, great. Okay, that movie's great. I loved it. And then I started watching the second one. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, what else? I watched Hearts Beat Loud. Um, I don't know what that is. It was. I'm pretty sure it was a Sundance. It's got Nick Offerman from parks and rec and it's just like him and his daughter make Don't a band from the bachelor <laughs> what oh yeah yeah nick offman guessed it on the last episode of the bachelor andrew watches that why is me? that show still on because america is america is a, a sick sick country it's true but yeah it was just it was a really cute movie i cried and it was just it was a fun feel-good movie yeah. which uh, you know it's not usually my jam called? but hearts beat loud yeah, yeah. And then I've been watching Killing Eve, um, which was up for a lot of nominations for Golden Globes and pretty sure the Emmys. Um, but it's really good. It's got, you know, Sandro and it's about like an assassin. It's pretty good so far. I'm not a huge into TV, but I like it. Yeah. I haven't been watching too much. We are also following the third season of True Detective. I oh, yeah. we were giving that a chance. How is it? The first season is... I am prone to hyperbole, so I want to be careful when I say this. It's probably the best season of TV that I've ever seen. Okay. I heard the second season is not as good. Well, it's hard to be as good as the yeah. best season of TV <laughs> ever made. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay. How's Mahershala in the new season? He's very good. Of course he is. Yeah. Love him. All right. All right. Does that do it for us? I think so. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we thank you for sticking around. Um, let's take a look at what we're doing next week. Next week, we're going to be talking about Drive. Yes. From Nicholas Winding Refn. What a great movie. Just to give you a... I mean, we don't really talk about bad movies on the podcast. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what we'll be doing. Yes. Uh, for all of you who are listening to us, you can find us at facebook.com slash we watch movies and then talk about them. Or Instagram at movies we watch. Slide into the DMs, comment on a post, let us know what you think. You have a movie you want us to do. We're more than happy to take listener suggestions. Um, and that's it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. Right. I'm Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye.